Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, but listen very, very carefully because you might think that I'm asking you a different question. Um, Here it is. Are you mononymous? Or I could ask, do you want to be mononymous? Maybe I should just ask, do you know what that means? (laughs) A mononymous person is someone who is known or addressed by a single name. Most of the people that we know who are mononymous, who are known just by one name, are famous musicians. Elvis, Cher, Madonna, Prince, Bono, Slash, Beyonce, Usher, Ping, Sting, Adele. Most of them are musicians. I don't know what it is with musicians, but maybe it's a requirement. To be a good musician, you have to go by just one name. I don't know. But there's more than just musicians. You've got Fabio and Oprah. And I could go really old school, and you've got Plato and Socrates and Aristotle. I've been talking the last couple weeks about the Old Testament Hebrew names for God. What are the original Old Testament Hebrew words that were used in reference to God? I talked about Elohim, which is a word for God as the creator. And I talked about Adonai, which is a word for God as the ultimate authority. Today, the word that I'd like to share is a word that most scholars say is the actual proper name for God. It's the most common way that God would reference himself. In Isaiah 42.8, God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another. And the name that God most often used in reference to himself was the name Yahweh. Now, the ancient Hebrew alphabet did not use vowels. So it was actually spelled Y-H-W-H. God isn't just mononymous. His name doesn't even have vowels. He is mononymous minus the vowels. He is mononymous and no vowelimous. I made that word up, by the way, in case you didn't know. The Hebrews considered it The Hebrews considered that word such a holy and sacred name that when an ancient scribe was copying the scripture and they would come to that word, they would set down their quill, get a brand new quill, write that word, break that quill, and then pick up the other one they were using. That way, no other word came from that quill. It was such a holy and sacred name that they would not even say it out loud. And because there was no vowels, and because they wouldn't even say it out loud, no one really knew how to pronounce the word. 
So later in time, when the Hebrews started placing vowels into the words, they came up with a word that was pronounced Yahweh. And then when the Hebrew was first being translated into the Latin, it was pronounced Yehovah. And then in the course of time, Yehovah became Jehovah. So essentially what you have is Yahweh and Jehovah are from the same Hebrew word. Yahweh is, the, is more of the original Hebrew pronunciation, and Jehovah is a Latinization of the original Hebrew word. But, but what does this sacred name of God tell us about God? What is this special, sacred, holy name that God used in reference to himself? What does it tell us about God? What do we learn from the name Yahweh? Yahweh comes from a Hebrew verb that means to be. And it's connected with the idea of life. To be means to have life. Yahweh is life. God is life. He was not created. He is self-existent and he permanently exists. God has no beginning and God has no end. He has no beginning, he has no end. This attribute of God is unique to God alone. And it defines God in a a very clear and supernatural way. Do you remember Moses? He was a Hebrew slave who was born at a time when the Hebrews were enslaved by the Egyptians. And in fact, at the time of his birth, the Egyptian pharaoh was afraid that the Hebrews were becoming too numerous. And if they continued to increase, they would rise up from their oppression and Egypt would lose their slave labor. So the the pharaoh ordered an infanticide of all the baby boys. Throw them into the Nile River. Moses was hidden only to be found by the pharaoh's daughter. And she took the boy as her own. And Moses was raised in the palace. But later in life, he kills an Egyptian who he sees beating a Hebrew slave. And then Moses, fearing for his life, he escapes to a far off place. But God has chosen Moses to be the man that will lead his people out of bondage. And that calling from God came in a very powerful moment. And that's what I'd like to read. It's in Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. Here's what it says. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then you skip down, and he says this. He says, 
But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. In this miracle moment, this strange thing is happening. God is speaking out to Moses from this bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed. And God tells Moses to tell his people that I am who I am. Tell them the Lord, Yahweh has sent me to you. God's telling Moses, I am the God of your ancestors. I am the God that you've heard about all of your life. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I was with them in their life, and now I am with you in yours. I'm with you now, and I am going to be with you with what is yet to come. You see, God's name is not a noun. It's a verb. Because God is always active, always at work. I am the Lord. I've been with you in the past. I'm here with you now in this present moment. And I will be with you in the future. The name Yahweh. That name Yahweh gives us a promise that God is not just a God of the past. God wasn't just the God who did these awesome, incredible, amazing things in the past. God is not just God of the past. God is not just the God of what is right here and right now. God is also the God of what is to come. God has no beginning. And God has no end. And therefore, God is God over all of it. The past, the present, and the future. That word Yahweh is also a verb with an imperfect tense. And that type of verb indicates an action that started in the past, continues in the present, but is not yet complete. So when God says, I am Yahweh, he was saying, I am who I've always been and who I will always be, and I'm not done. I am who I've always been, who I will always be, and I am not done. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. And Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, which is the beginning and the end, says the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Yahweh means that God is self-existent and self-sufficient. He is Almighty. He is eternal. And sometimes I think we get caught into this kind of thinking that is just a misplaced misunderstanding. Wayne Grudem made this observation. He said this. He said, people have sometimes thought that God created human beings because he was lonely and he needed fellowship with other persons. 
If this were true, it would certainly mean that God is not completely independent of creation. It would mean that God would need to create persons in order to be completely happy or completely fulfilled in their personal existence. I don't know if you've heard that or maybe just kind of assumed that. I remember hearing God made people because he wanted somebody to be with. It's not true. This might be hard for us to hear, but God doesn't need us. Let, Let me say that again. God does not need us. God does not depend on us for his existence. God does not depend on us for his well-being. God doesn't even need us to accomplish his work. You remember what the scripture said? Sometimes even the rocks will call out in praise and worship. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to fulfill who he is. We need God. He does not need us. Think about this. Even the best of humanity. Take the best of humanity. The strongest, the smartest, the most physically fit. Everyone is at the mercy of health and fortune. Not a single one of us is completely independent. Not a single one of us is completely independent and we don't need something. We all need something. But not God. God stands alone. But the name Yahweh isn't just about how self-existent God is. It isn't about how just God is God over the past, the present, and the future. Yahweh also gives us a good look at the heart of God because Yahweh was a very personal and relational word. When God says, I am who I am, when God used the word Yahweh, God was emphasizing his presence. He used that name Yahweh consistently whenever he was revealing himself to his people. And that name Yahweh tells us that God wants us to know him personally. God does not need us but he absolutely wants us. He does not need us, but he wants us. Think about that burning bush moment with Moses. The Israelites had been in Egypt for 400 years. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the law. They were slaves called Hebrews, which quite possibly at that time was a racial slur a derogatory label. They were displaced, they were mistreated, they were disparaged. And all through, of that, all through that time, God was silent. But there was this promise. There was this promise that God, that, that had been shared through all the years. A promise that God was going to be with them. And the promise of a great future. And when God spoke to them or spoke to Moses through that burning bush, he was saying, Here I am, and now is the time. Here I am, and now is the time. I am who I have always been and who I will always be, and I'm not done yet. 
when God said, I'm Yahweh, it was a reassurance that he was there and he was at work. It may have seemed like God was silent, but he was there. He was at work. God is Yahweh. God is always with us. He may seem silent at times, but he's still there. He's at work even when we cannot see him. We can trust in who he is. He is a promise keeper. Have you ever wondered? Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever wondered, where is God and what is he doing? Where is God and what is he doing? Right now, there's a lot of chaos in this world. There's a lot of things that seem to be spinning out of control. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of injustice in this world right now. And so maybe right now is that moment. Maybe right now is that moment where you're asking, where are you, God? What are you doing? I imagine that a man named Joseph asked that same question. The Bible tells us his story. He was unjustly mistreated, sold as a slave, and then he was falsely accused of raping a woman and imprisoned without any type of trial. And he's sitting in prison as an innocent man, and he's probably thinking, where is God? And what is he doing? In that moment for Joseph, things felt dark, and God felt distant. Things felt dark, and God felt distant. But we know the story. In prison, Joseph met two officials from the king's palace. And later, after one of them is released, he remembers Joseph. And the king is needing some help. And the official remembers how capable Joseph was. So he sends for his release. And the long story made short, Joseph, who was sold as a slave... Accused of a crime he didn't commit, falsely imprisoned, becomes one of the most prominent and influential men in Egypt. And because of his position, he is able to save his family from starvation and continue the line that leads to Christ. Sometimes we don't see what God is doing. Sometimes we don't see what God is doing. He is with us, though. He is with us. He's Yahweh. He's with us. He was and is and he will always be. Right now, we're in that kind of fun time of the season where things are starting to change. Not too long ago, you look outside and it looked very dark and dreary and dead and lifeless. You looked out across the field or across the yard, and it was cold. It was bleak. But now things are starting to change. The winter's going to break. The frozen ground is thawing out. And we will see that under the surface, something was happening. Nutrients were enriching the soil. Roots were growing deeper. Seeds were germinating. We're going to see flowers bloom. Life will move once again. Green blades of grass will start to pop up. And then we'll start complaining about how often we have to mow. You know, at certain times, 
in certain seasons, it looks cold and bleak. At certain times in certain seasons, it looks dead and lifeless. We might wonder, where is God? And what is he doing? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. I've shared this quote before. I really like this. This comes from A.W. Tozer. And he said it like this. He said, while it looks like things are out of control, behind the scenes there's a God who has not surrendered his authority. Yahweh was God's revelation of who he is. I am who I am. But that revelation did not stop just with God's name. God with us is evident in something that is even more amazing than just the name of God. God's ultimate revelation of who he is is Jesus. That's the revelation of God. Jesus was God in the flesh, God with us. In John's gospel, there's numerous quotes from from Jesus. Quotes where Jesus specifically and intentionally uses the phrase, I am. In John chapter 8, it's probably the most blatant. John chapter 8, the Jews are questioning Jesus and what he's teaching. They're getting shaken up by what Jesus is teaching, and they challenge him on that, and they ask him if if he thinks he's greater than Abraham. And listen to what Jesus said. In John 8, 58, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. Jesus also said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, this was not a coincidence. Jesus used that phrase to identify himself as God. Look again at John 8, 58. When Jesus said, before Abraham was even born, I am. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 59. At this, they picked up their stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. They were so shocked, appalled, and angry. They're ready to stone him to death. How could he dare say that? You see, he specifically used that word about being I am. They were so upset. How could he dare say that? But we know why Jesus said that because it's true. Because it's true. Essentially, Jesus was put to death. Eventually, Jesus was put to death, crucified on a criminal's cross, and three days later, Jesus was alive again. His death was payment for the guilt of our sin. His resurrection was proof that that payment of that payment, evidence that Jesus is Lord. In John 14, 9, Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In John 10.30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. 
the Bible explicitly refers to Jesus as God. Do you want to know Yahweh? Do you want to know Yahweh? Do you want to know the God who was and is and is to come? The God who does not need us, but the God who wants us. The God who is self-evident, self-sufficient, eternal, and ever-present. The God who does not change. The God who is beyond our understanding. The God who has promised to be with us. The God who gave himself up for us and became the sacrifice for us because he loves us. Do you want to know that God? Do you want to know Yahweh? Then get to know Jesus. Know him as your Lord and Savior. Keep walking with him in faith. Please stand with me as I pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've promised to be with us. You are the God who was and is and is to come. The only one who's worthy of our praise and our worship. Thank you for your presence, for the forgiveness of our sins. Help us to trust you even when we cannot understand. Thank you for being at work even when we cannot see. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank you for being an unchanging God. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.